Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 21st, 2013. There's always newcomers coming in and I advise them to make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find they all carry audios for download for free of this, and I go through the system, the history of the system we're living through today, explaining how it all was set up a long time ago and who set it up and how the world was intended to be managed by them, and they have done it through up to this present time, and they're on to the next phases, of course, for the next century, and so on. So, help yourself to the, to the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Remember, too, all the sites, uh, if you find sticking on one site on download, try another that listed there on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Also, you'll find they all have transcripts in English of many of the talks I've given for print-up. And if you go into Alan Watt Sentinel you can get transcripts in other languages. Remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't sell anything except the books, my own books and, and cutting through the dot com and discs and so on of the previous uh, talks I've given. And I go through the history in the books, of course, of chronology. Chronology is a great art, actually, because it's how we're all managed by those who understand how to manage, create masses of people. And it's all done through tricks of the trade. Uh, very old, old sciences. Sciences like this are never lost as empires decline because those who manage empires simply move on before the decline into the new one which they're building up. They always do the same thing. Just like today, we're going from the old nation states and into trading blocks and into global governance. It's the same thing today. The big boys make sure they plan the future so that they're always in charge of it and their offspring are always in charge of it too. Because they live through their progeny, you understand. And that's a, a healthy thing if you want survival for a particular people. And some people have it, some people don't. And that's basic anthropology for you. So anyway, as I say, help yourself to that. And from the US to Canada, you can order the books and discs using personal checks or international postal money orders or from the post office. And you can also send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Straight donations are really seriously welcome because we're going through this inflationary time, which they call quantitative easing. Sounds better than inflation because that's associated with depressions, of course. And the changes that are coming along have to be tremendous changes. I can remember many years ago reading articles from even the Rockefeller uh, Brothers Center and they were talking back in the 70s about uh, the changes that would come about would have mass mass movements of, Im- of immigration across the world, planned immigration into first world countries with many different intentions of having, having it happen. At that time, too, there was no shortage of labor. It was simply to help to get everyone used to a, a one-world system and to end all the, the so-called uh, particular dominant uh, races at the time or ethnic groups. And that's been very successful and still ongoing, of course. But however, too, also, they used the excuse to stop wars. 
if there's no more countries, of course, they said there'd be no more wars, which is a lie too, because they simply turn on their own people inside borders, and that's what the Soviets did, for instance. They find terrorism and counter-revolutionary activities everywhere they want to see them or find them. And we have the same thing going on today, as we have this war on terror, which is to be perpetual. Perpetual. I said that years ago, it's to be perpetual, because you can get so much done in it. Remember what Carol Quigley said, who was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, for their own personal archives of history, because they have, so, they, they have changed history so much and led history that he said uh, they had set up their own archive section with the real history of what, why things were happening in the archives. And he said you can get more done in, in five years of war than 50 years of peace and social change as government intervenes and you allow it to happen. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. I'm sure everyone's heard about Oklahoma, of course, what happened there with the tornado and the, the devastation it left behind them. I'll put a link up tonight from a Toronto paper, but it's got uh, photographs and so on. But uh, it's just astonishing that people still continually ignore the fact they're in tornado areas or, or alleys even sometimes, they call them. And I don't understand why towns, if they haven't had them for years, they just forget all about them. And, and then the big thing happens again. There's no big shelters for them to go into or anything that will withstand such a an onslaught. And they get a lot of people get hurt and killed and so on. They can come on quickly, certainly. I've seen them happen even up in Canada. And, uh, and they can touch down very quickly, too. But uh, they should really have shelters built for people in, in these areas for sure. And uh, made it a concrete, reinforced concrete that will not take off with the wind and, and built into the ground as well, because it's going to happen again, as we well know. But it's really awful devastation, as I say, and, uh, and they're still looking for, for people who are missing, and I'm sure the death toll will eventually climb as well. They'll put this up tonight. And also, you don't generally get many stories coming out of Canada on police brutality or provocation and so on. But there was one that came out, and this is from the Toronto Star. It's about Durham, Ontario police constable, threatens to beat up a man and plant cocaine on him. Now, that's often been a, uh, something that many folk have accused police of doing. Uh, and if the cops do want you, they've been known to plant cocaine in a car or even in your pocket or something. And... Um, and then charge you for possession. But this guy, this cop actually says that. He says, I'll, you know, I'll make, I'll make the cocaine disappear. I mean, appear, he says. I will make it appear and get you. And in other words, plant it. And you'll hear him on a video talking about it as he goads this, uh, uh citizen into trying to hit him. Because the cop was pushing him and pushing him, physically pushing him and so on. And, uh, it's, it's sad that because not all the cops are the same. Uh, but the bad ones seem to get away with it, and the ones that are with them will stand up for them, even if they don't participate, because that's the way it is. The brotherhood is a cult fraternity, etc. But uh, when you get a bad apple, that generally will get other people into trouble with them, and some of them are too aggressive for what they're doing. They're certainly not professional, and uh, it's not a job I would want, because I wouldn't want to have to deal with drunks and drug addicts and and domestic disputes and screaming and hollering and all that kind of stuff either. But that's why they're taught to be professional and they're not supposed to lose their cool, or however tempting it could be to lose your cool. But anyway, I'll put this video up tonight to let you see how it's done 
and how you can be provoked into either attacking a cop or, uh, as I say, the cop actually threatens and, and curses and swears at you constantly and threatens to plant cocaine so they can charge you. And it was all caught on video. Also, there's the transatlantic union. As I mentioned before, we're in a global system. It's superseded national governments and those people you think you elect, which you don't really because the CFR picks them all out at the top to to be selected from all parties. And no matter who who you vote in, they belong to the CFR. And... um, this, this article is on about their, their system, their new system, which is supranational. And, and you don't vote for a supranational uh, governance organization. They just appear and make it themselves, supposedly. So no one gave permission to any prime minister or president to create these GH, G20s, or any other GGs or GWZs. Uh, they just do it themselves, and then they've got international laws drafted up. So we all have to go along with whatever they decide at these meetings. So these have transcended governments and national governments, private organizations. It says, for the past two weeks, we've seen the Obama administration embroiled in controversy as three separate scandals continue to grow and attach themselves to the White House. While this is major news and does have the power to topple the U.S. president, but it won't happen. There are other far-reaching actions unfolding under his watch. In a bizarre move, President Obama held two joint press conferences last week, one with UK Prime Minister David Cameron, another with Turkish Prime Minister uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. So perhaps the dual presidential podiums were a subliminal touch to what seemed to blur the line between world leaders, in a sense, becoming ruled by global council. And that's what I was talking about for a long, long time. It's a rule by global council, private councils. This strange observation may well be significant to understanding the kind of dark partnerships that are developing worldwide. It is rightly most of the media will focus on the obvious takedown of an empire as they try to uncover the truth about Benghazi, at the IRS and the DOG. It says, however, on the global chessboard of finance and war, more stark revelations have come to light involving the US president. During the press conference with Prime Minister Cameron, President Obama made vague sweeping statements about a transatlantic partnership with the EUA, a partnership that will, many will fear will lead to a transatlantic union. Well, this is on the cards. I've mentioned this for well over a year. And it says, uh, I'll oppose more globalized standards and regulations potentially derailing individual free trade. This was made clear by the New American earlier this year. And in that article, it said, the transatlantic partnership, of course, is just one of the major sovereignty-threatening international schemes being pursued by the Obama administration simultaneously, closer North America integration, and the so-called Trans-Pacific Partnership are two of the most prominent efforts. The latest plot, though, has far-reaching global implications that critics argue represent a serious threat to America and freedom. If the U.S.-EU deal ends up becoming reality, the regulatory regime governing the new bloc, which accounts for about half of the global GDP, would become the de facto standard-setting entity for the entire planet. Mind you, too, you've got to remember, too, when you join these, uh, these trade deals, uh, the so-called first world countries under the World Trade Organization, they state that the first world countries must pay uh, those third world countries, and, and in other words, redistribution of wealth, throw money at them, get businesses and, and, and factories set up in them, using taxpayers from the first world countries to fund it all. And they also get them special deals, like when you, they, can, you can, they can import your stuff 
uh, and tax you uh, for, on import duties. But when you, when it goes the other way back to you from those countries, those third world countries, uh, you're not allowed to tax them. That's what they mean by free trade. It's a one-way deal only. But it's to benefit the international corporations that set up in the third world countries. This goes on to say that Obama had this to say during the Cameron press conference. With respect to the relationship between the UK and the EU, we have a special relationship with the United Kingdom. Now, you can understand this term, special relationship, is never defined. Uh, Britain, uh, for many, many years during the whole Soviet Cold War era, uh, had a special relationship, they kept saying in the papers, uh, with the US. And they also have special relationships now with Israel and, and so on. But uh, it's a legal term, obviously, that they use, and we're not allowed to know what exactly what it is. So we believe that our capacity to partner with the United Kingdom that is active, robust, outward-looking, and engaged with the world is hugely important to our interest, interest as well as the world. I think the UK's participation in the EU is an expression of its influence and its role in the world, as well as obviously a very important economic partnership. Obama echoed the same rhetoric at the Erdogan press conference, adding, Today we focused on three areas I want to highlight. First, we agreed to help expanding trade and investment. Over the past four years, our trade has surged, and U.S. exports to Turkey have more than doubled. As the United States pursued a new trade investment partnership with the EU, I want to make sure that we also keep deepening our economic ties with Turkey. So we're creating a new high-level committee that will focus on increasing trade and investment between our two countries and will help fuel Turkish innovation. Now, economic ties is also called closer ties with these agreements they bind. This is how they brought all the countries of Europe into the EU parliamentary system, by the deceit, basically. And they're using the same terminology here. It says, it seems that the more and more we're faced with a manufactured reality, one in which international institutions will have dictatorial power over trade and the economy worldwide, breaking away from sovereign entities controlling their own destiny. Is a transatlantic partnership a sleeping giant for the global economy? What other partnerships are being harbored in regards to US, Britain and Turkey? How does this tie into the situation in Syria? And it goes on uh, from, from there. And it's really interesting to see how Lots of economic reforms are going to be made to integrate our economic systems, which mean we will also end up bailing out Europe as part of the, the, the guys that bail them out under the EU and the central banking system. They'll make an agreement with the US Federal Reserve, etc., etc., etc. It's all planned that way, folks. So it's all going the way it's supposed to go where the banks dominate the planet, the big, big bank, central banks under the Bank for International Settlements. But as I say, we don't vote for any of this. It's all above our heads. Signed into law. And uh, that whatever government takes over, it carries on. Because you're living through an agenda, you understand. It doesn't matter what they call themselves as a party. It's just one agenda. There's only one agenda. Also, too, we know that, um, we know that every phone, uh, computer, and every communica- communication device has had a back door entry for uh, for the government agencies to use since 1995. That was a law. That's when they passed a law to make sure that every manufacturer would put a chip in and something else in to allow backdoor entries by government agencies. But it's not enough, and it's still going on for, with more now. It says, heavyweights of the cryptographic world have lined up behind a campaign against proposed U.S. wiretapping laws 
that could require IT vendors to place new bike, new bike doors and digital communication services. Technical details are vague at present, but the planned law could mandate putting wiretap capabilities in endpoints to cover everything from instant messaging to chat to services such as Skype, Google Hang, Hangouts, and even Xbox Live. The plan to update the Communications Assistant for, Assistance for Law Enforcement Act, as it was called, Calia, uh, comes as part of the proposals to update U.S. wiretapping laws drafted in the 1990s, which were designed to apply to telephone exchanges and switching equipment. And I'll, I'll carry on with this one. It's very important because they're going to build more and more back doors. Most of won't mind. They don't mind having no privacy. Back with more after this. Folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the new uh, system of backdoors that are being mandated to go into all communications devices and another upgrade. And it says here that um, the plan to upgrade the Communications Assistance for Law Enforcement Act, which is called CALIA, comes as part of the proposals to update U.S. wiretapping laws drafted in the 1990s, which were designed to apply to telephone exchanges and switching equipment. Critics of the proposed law, including cryptographer Bruce Schneer and Phil Zimmerman, the creator of email encryption package PGP, argue that any backdoor would be open to abuse by hackers, including foreign governments. Any such system would necessarily make software both more complex and harder to secure, as well as posing a privacy risk. Advocates of updating Calia said it should apply to encrypted voice over internet protocol channels, P2P, and instant mobile messaging services to help fight organized crime and terrorism. The FBI uh, argued the net, the net is going dark to them thanks to encryption technologies which render valid wiretapping warrants useless. That's nonsense because they can break them all. Their programs, they break them very quickly. Computer scientists argue that the opposite is closer to the truth. Information about people's movements and communications is more freely, freely available now than ever before, thanks to social networking and smartphones. Through moves such as the proposed Carrier 2 law, U.S. agents are getting closer to achieving their goal of real-time tapping of online communications. Well, they're already doing it. It says, we are therefore living in a golden age of state surveillance. In addition, critics point out that Carrier-mandated systems have been abused, and they give you examples of uh, abuses that's happened even with prime ministers of Greece and so on. The spies used Calia backdoors and Vodafone grease switches to illegally plant spyware so that conversations were relayed to 14 shadow pay-as-you-go mobile phones. This is the Greek newspaper, uh, Kithamarina, and Sunday revealed that in 2011, four of those phones were originally purchased by the U.S. Embassy, although the eavesdroppers were never traced. In a similar case, AT&T's Calia controls went through a Solaris machine that was routed by hackers, giving crooks the ability to tap into calls. Critics of Calia also point out, point out that if endpoint wiretaps were mandated in the U.S., there would be nothing to stop software developers creating non-compliant software elsewhere and then releasing it as open-source code. There'd be no way of preventing this technology from being imported into the U.S. and rendering the whole proposal largely pointless, at least when applied against criminals and terrorists. And then they give you different scenarios and so on of how it's going to work, etc., but it'll come regardless because the whole points of totalitarian regimes 
uh, is that they have to make sure that every single citizen is predictable. And that can only be done with either watching you directly or listening to you, etc. And I mean watching by using, you know, the flat foots, you know, on the grounds watching you. Or telecommunications, which is the easiest way today because you, you give it all your information daily uh, by your phones and, and your, 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 your mails and so on. And we know too that the big boys at the top, and I don't know if people, people are really naive, we're brought up to be naive to think that you only have free competition in this world and you just work hard and you get up to the top. It's all nonsense. It's like Bill Gates. You make stars today and you put them in as front men, basically for much bigger powers behind them. And that's because there's no doubt about it, you know, Microsoft and so on. Um, could have been sued many, many, many times for taking other people's property, but they were not, and doors opened, and doors opened. Just like Monsanto, the doors open, judges won't touch them. That means it's a big, 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 um, incredible business behind them, and actually they're just the front men, as I say, the front men they put out. Same with Amazon as well. Uh, they actually make stars, and we swallow the bullshit they give us. It is BS, or bothersome stuff, bothersome stuff, I call it. But anyway, we should stop being so naive. Now, Amazon is a big one up there, along with Google, with the NSA, the CIA, and MI6. And it will always be that way. And that's where money comes from to start up and so on. That's where why all the laws are passed automatically to allow them to take the lead, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, Amazon received more money from the UK grants than it paid in corporation tax. Amazing, isn't it? It's beautiful being a big corporation because uh, you get funded into existence by using taxpayers' money. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, these are big special agencies, not what you think they are. Since Amazon is on a fresh collision course over its contribution to the UK exchequer, after the American internet giant revealed it received more money in government grants last year than it paid in corporation tax in Britain. And it says... Uh, the UK operation generated £4.2 billion of sales last year, but it used a subsidiary in Luxembourg to help it reduce its corporation's tax bill in the country to just £2.4 million in 2012. According to the documents filed at the company's house, the company received £2.5 million in government handouts over the same period. So they actually got more in grants than they paid in taxes. The figures have reignited controversy over the tax paid in Britain by American corporations such as Amazon, Apple, Starbucks and Google, whose executives have been summoned to appear before the Public Accounts Committee on Thursday to clarify previous evidence they gave about their tax status. Justin King, Chief Executive of Sainsbury, has complained the current UK tax laws do not create a level playing field for online retailers and their bricks-and-mortar rivals. Amazon, like Google and Apple, consistently argue that they operate within the law and make many other tax contributions to Britain, such as national insurance payments. But Margaret Hodge, chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, described Amazon's tax contribution as just a joke. And nothing will happen about it, mind you. They're too big. And the big agencies need them. Badly. Despite all of us. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Matrix and talking about the big boys and how they play their games and how they get away with so much with collusion of governments because governments and all MPs, members of parliament, congressmen get big donations from, from the big groups, you see the big corporations and in other words they're paid off. Anyway, it says computer giant Apple quietly negotiated an income tax rate of less than 2% with the Irish government and shifted the lion's share of the company's worldwide profits to ghost companies in Ireland to avoid paying taxes in the U.S., a congressional panel has said. The Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations maintains that Apple has shifted tens of billions of dollars in income through Irish companies to avoid paying tens of billions of dollars of taxes in the U.S., it says that the high-profile congressional hearing has shown a spotlight on the tax regime of Ireland, described by a subcommittee as a tax haven. You never think of Ireland as a tax haven, do you? And the use of Irish companies by major American corporations to minimise their tax bills in the U.S. And it says Irish Times, uh, this is put up by the Irish Times, and it says today's hearing was held to examine how U.S.-based multinational corporations use loopholes in the tax code to move profits to offshore tax havens and avoid paying the taxes. Panel said that Apple's Irish subsidiary called Apple Operations International, which was incorporated in 1980, sat at the apex of the company's offshore tax avoidance strategy. And that's legal, because it's called avoidance and not, not evasion. Apple's quietly negotiated with the Irish government's an income tax rate of less than 2%, well under the Irish statutory rate of 12%, as well as the tax rates of other European countries and the US, said Senator Carl Levin, Democrat from Michigan. This is, uh, and as we've seen, in practice, Apple is able to pay a rate far below even that low figure. Last year alone, Apple Sales International, one of Apple's Irish subsidiaries, received $36 billion in income in a nation where it pays almost no income tax and paid no U.S. income taxes. The subcommittee says Apple has arranged matters so it can claim that these ghost companies, for tax purposes, exist nowhere. One Irish company paid no corporation or corporate income tax to any nation over the last five years. Another pays tax to Ireland equal to only, or one-twentieth of one percent of its total income. A third Irish company was, is also not tax resident in any other country, it says. So it goes on and on. And, uh, you know, as taxes go up and up and up too, and corporations uh, are all meant to go out there and maximize their profits, there'll be more and more of this because they'll, they'll want to try and avoid as much taxes as possible, obviously, to compete with whoever, you know. And also this article, too, is to do with, um, I mentioned about that Gosnell case of the abortionist with his horror clinic, uh, etc., what was happening, and they found a second house of horrors abortion clinic where a doctor actually twisted heads off the baby's necks with his bare hands, and he's under investigation in Texas. I'll put that up tonight. As well. And also, car tracking devices could lower insurance rates for Alberta drivers. This is in Canada, and it's a, it's a, it's a PR piece. It's a promo piece, actually, when you read it. It's been a handout, as far as I can see. And, um, it's a rah-rah thing of how it'll lower your insurance rates if you, if you want one of these devices and put in your car or your vehicle. It says telematics devices installed in cars could reward more co- see this are, see this are, <laughs> this are, these are you know the psycholinguistic words could reward more cautious Alberta drivers that's right in the first line that, that's your grabber for, for the folk to suck into it 
with, with lower insurance rates. The province is currently studying whether to allow the voluntary devices which are already being used in Quebec. And it says, uh, it says the technology is allowing the motorists to see exactly how good they really are, and the insurance company is keen to see such devices allowed in Alberta. The province is currently studying it and uh, if and when such technology termed telematics could be green-lighted. It's already in place in Quebec, and the insurance industry believes it's just a matter of time before all provinces follow that lead across Canada. Heather Mark, Director of Government Relations for the Alberta branch of the Insurance Bureau of Canada, said the industry is waiting to see how the government will regulate the technology. Now, I'll guarantee you, uh, once I've got everybody on this thing and make it law, then, uh, then the insurance companies will just jack up all the rates again because they have to maximize their profits too. And they've done this unilaterally in Canada. Uh, just when they say there's not enough money coming in, or there's not, you know, etc., they, they just jack it all up out of sight. We're one of the highest paying insurance uh, for vehicles in, in the world, really, is in Canada. So they're not going to lower their prices for very long, believe you me. If it's for a little while, it's for, uh, it's for a, uh, a, a plan, basically an economic plan. And then about two years after that, once it's all across the border, everyone's got this device and they'll jack up their insurance again. They're, going to lo- they're not going to lose money. I don't care how good a driver you, you are. It's not going to happen, folks. But just to get everybody under surveillance is the real reason for all of this. But I'll put the link up tonight at cuttingtruthmatrix.com. And also, members of the European Parliament, it says, this is, this is going to be the big thing, folks, the reading for the crashes and, and the plundering of bank accounts. Members of the European Parliament vote to protect small bank depositors, it says. And it says the bail-in of any creditors should be done according to a clear hierarchy with depositors with savings over 100,000 euros last in line, while deposits under 100,000 euros would be fully protected, said Green Economic and Finance spokesman Philip Lamberts in a statement. I wonder what ethnic group that is, Green. Anyway, it says the votes amended um, the European Commission's bank recovery and resolution proposal. So they're really pushing it, and that's from the EU, uh, from their, their bank system. And then you find that uh, Bank for International Settlements and the IMF attacks on quantitative easing, that's your inflation, uh, deeply misguided warn monetarists. So monetarists across the world have warned that the International Monetary Fund, that's the big boys that were set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organization, CFR, and the Bank for International Settlements, same, same group, are making a historic error by calling for a withdrawal of emergency stimulus before the global economy has fully recovered. So they warned against uh, ever more uh, monetary policy activism to keep the global econo- economy afloat. They called on the U.S., Britain, Japan, and Eurozone to restore interest rates to normal levels sooner rather than later. And the two watchdogs landed broadsides against central bank largest last week. It says that the BIS, the Forum of Central Banks, was particularly blunt, seeming to imply that quantitative easing does not work. Critics say that risks undermining the credibility of radical measures when more uh, may ne- yet be needed. They fear central banks could repeat the mistake made in 1937 when the Federal Reserve lost its nerve and tightened too soon, tipping America back into depression. The Bank for International Settlements and the IMF are deeply misguided and risk doing the world a grave disservice. The biggest threat right now is irrational fear of, fear of bubbles amongst central banks, said Lars um, Christensen, a monetary theorist at the Dansk Bank. How can they criticize the Bank of Japan for pulling the country out of 15 years of inflation and the longest asset price collapse in modern history? 
Mr. Christian said deflationary forces are stalking the global economy, making it essential to offset budget cuts with monetary stimulus. The U.S. is tightening fiscal policy by 2% of GDP this year, and the most in half a century. So they're not happy with the IMF and the BIS, but the BIS wants to have a crash so that they can take full power over the planet, folks. That's the big agenda. That's what they were set up to, to do in the first place by the private organization, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. That's who created them and still runs them to do this very thing, to take over the world. And also, this article too has to do with, <laughs> with um, the Obama administration denial of asylum for gen- a German homeschool family. Now, Yosini's given a blanket asylum for all the illegal uh, immigrants that came in and from Mexico. Uh, but so uh, one family came from Germany, and it says, Today the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the Obama administration's denial of asylum granted to you and Hanlower Romik and their six children. The Romiks fled Germany in 2008 when they were subjected to criminal prosecution for homeschooling. In Bissingen, district of Ludwigsburg, Baden-Württemberg, they faced exorbitant fines, forcible removal of their children, possible imprisonment, all for homeschooling their children. And a Christian, see, they're Christian, unfortunately, in Germany. And Germany's not run by, I would say, Germans. The Supreme Court of Germany declared that the purpose of the German ban on homeschooling was to counteract the development of religious and philosophically motivated parallel societies. What a hypocrisy that is. What a hypocrisy. The family currently residing in Tennessee was granted asylum in 2010 by immigration judge Lawrence O. Berman, but that grant was overturned by Board of Immigration Appeals in 2012. So now maybe they've turned it down so they might just send them back and they'll just grab their children off them. And it's a good family, you know, and they're hardworking and all the rest of it, but they have odd ideas like Christianity and Obama, Obama and all his boys behind them, especially the boys behind them, really hate Christianity. Yep, they do. And it's up to you to find out why. The European Union, I can remember years ago, that makes all, they just churn out laws at the top. And it's literally a, a, a commission. It's a commissars at the top. You don't elect them. But in fact, folk don't even know who they are. It's kind of secretive. And I can remember when they, when they, they closed down lots of butcher shops across the EU. Because some of them had opened up over centuries in cities, and they'd have a building across the way in a little alley. Maybe you could put your hands across and touch with the walls, and you could carry uh, parts of the meat from one place to the other. Not anymore. They wouldn't allow that, so they, they actually closed all these places down. Lots and lots of them. And then they banned British oak from being sold abroad for, as wood, because the grain wasn't straight enough. No kidding. Well, here's the latest one. The EU is to ban olive oil jugs from restaurants. It's a traditional thing. And it says they're banning the the bowls from restaurant tables in a move described by one of Britain's top cooks as authoritarian and damaging to artisanal food makers. And it says the small glass jugs filled with green or gold-colored extra virgin oil are familiar and traditional for restaurant goers across Europe, but they'll be banned from the 1st of January 2014 after a decision taken in an obscure Brussels committee earlier this week. 
from next year, olive oil presented uh, as a restaurant table must be in pre-packaged factory bottles with a tamper-proof dispensing nozzle and labelling in line with the EU industrial standards. The use of classic refillable jugs, glass jugs or glazed terracotta dipping bowls and the choice of a restaurateur to buy olive oil from a small artisan producer or family business will be outlawed. So again, it's going to help the big boys, big mass marketers of this stuff. Sam Clark, the food writer, chef and proprietor of the award-winning Morrow Restaurant in London, told the Daily Telegraph the ban would stop him serving his customers specially slightly Spanish olive oil in dipping bowls with bread when they are seated at their table. It will affect us. This is about choice and freedom of choice. We buy our oil, which we have selected from a firm in Spain, a farm in Spain, to serve the customers, he said. Well, now they'll be told where you get it from, the ones who have, can afford to package it all in whole bits. So, again, it's probably an in-house deal, because it's utterly corrupt, that union, you know. Utterly corrupt. Like everything else today. And... Most folk in Europe had never heard of the College of Europe. The College of Europe was uh, set up quietly at the end of World War II to train bureaucrats in, in, in what they had planned for eventually not a free trade association, uh, as they called it, a trading association, economic union, but a total integration of Europe. They lied for years, right until the 90s. That's when they admitted the truth to the public, that they'd actually planned this since then. Anyway, the College of Europe, the training ground for Europeans' Union civil service since the end of Second World War, has denied censoring an article by a former student depicting European Commission President José Manuel Barroso as a shallow politician without credibility or any sense of the crisis now shaking the foundations of Brussels. College staff say they took down the article from the institution's newly launched blog because the author had not put his name to it as was required by rules, not because of his criticism of the man leading the institution where many students end up working. And it tells you who pens it, Alfonso Ricciardelli, who spent a year at the college's uh, Brooks campaign in Belgium between 2008 and 2009. The piece's damning of Barroso's prediction made last week that European federalism was just a few years away. That means total integration, no your, your, your sovereign countries' parliaments will be little provincial councils, which they almost are already, by the way. Entitled Brosso's Promise of a Federal Europe is, is an insult, the article, since reported to the blog, underlined the breadth of the gulf between the Brussels elites and Europe's voters. Talk of federalism is com- incomprehensible at a time of waning EU confidence and economic recession. I mean, they've all been plundered by this new bank they've set up for the, the Central Bank for Europe. Uh, Ricard Deli writes, The President's State of the Union's address, what a pompous and inappropriate name for the past three years, have certified the state of denial of the crisis, of the institutional turmoil, of the decadent role of the European Commission itself. That he'll continues, the legacy of these eight years of Barroso's presidency is evident and could be easily summarized, a few unconvincing speeches, a constant incapacity to negotiate from an even position with national politicians and with other institutions, and a lack of initiative that classes so stridently with the abundance of declarations of principle. So it's what really complaining about here is the fact that they're supposed to, under all the conology agreements they made over many, many years, and it's telling the public it was just to do with trade, etc., and you still be national, you have your national sovereign countries, and he's, he's basically saying that the intention was never to give you and leave you with sovereignty, but to take it all away. And it's been a disaster, and it will continue to be a disaster financially too.
And also, in Britain, they're stepping up, snooping on the average person for taxes. The taxman is increasingly snooping on the private lives of the taxpayers with officials accessing thousands of pieces of personal information over the past year it merged. They're all doing it now. All the countries are doing it, by the way. It says it compares to more than uh, 11,500 such views in 2010, which equates to a rise of almost 25%. That's, that's snooping, according to stats released under the Freedom of Information Laws. Using the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act of 2000, Her Majesty's Revenue Collection Agency can access details on what websites are, are viewed by taxpayers, where a mobile phone call you made or received, and the date and time of emails, texts, and phone calls. From October 2011 to the end of September last year, HMRC was given 172 authorizations for directed surveillance, covert surveillance, mainly in public places. This has decreased from the previous year, but critics today accuse tax officials of pursuing wrong targets. It says the HMRC should be focusing on the estimated £35 billion lost tax, not snooping on hard-working people, said Stephen McPartland, the Conservative MP for Stephen H., who's campaigning for large companies to be more open about tax. It's not clear how many times the surveillance has led to successful prosecution for tax evasion or where those found to be innocent are told that they have been spied on. Well, of course they won't tell them. So they're going after just the average Joe's, not the big corporations, you see. But that's always... We live in corruption, folks. You don't have anything called democracy, equality, etc. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. Brett Cutting for the Matrix and... Mark Carney is the, the governor of the Bank of Canada, uh, a rather obscure place. This actually is very undefined what exactly the Bank of Canada is anymore, except a meeting place where where some government reps meets uh, lenders and arrange loans. That's really what it is today. Anyway, uh, Mark Carney, the governor, he gave a, a long talk on Canada and, and uh, the state of the finances in Canada, etc., etc., and lots of upbeat talk with hoorays for this and hoorays for that and, and so on. Remember in Canada, too, before I get into this, it says, remember, I mentioned that uh, when all the bailouts were happening in the U.S. and elsewhere, Canada, there was just not a peep coming out of Canada, except that everything was fine in Canada. We weren't in the same mess as the U.S. Four years after it, in 2012, uh, it was admitted for the first time that the government had been bailing out some of the biggest banks in Canada. But that's how they treat people in Canada, you know. And most Canadians don't mind that kind of being treated that way. So they're different, strange culture. But anyway, there's a PDF on this talk that Carney gave. I'll put it up. But it goes into near the three quarters of the way through. It says, third, Canada has clear and credible recovery and resolution mechanisms, including lender of last resort policies, a deposit insurance scheme which with risk weighted premiums and bridge banking powers that enable the rapid closure of failing institutions and the swift reopening of their viable operations. In its most recent budget, the federal government announced it will consult stakeholders on how best to implement a bail-in regime, that's thieving of the depositors' cash, to recapitalize failing Canadian banks that are systematically important to our domestic economy through the very rapid converse conversion of certain bank liabilities into regulatory 
capital. So if you have a certain amount of, uh, X amount of money in the bank over a limit, uh, they're going to steal it all from you. It's, they're already working on it hard. And they're, they're doing this, folks, because it's going to happen. They don't do this unless they know it's all going to happen. They're doing it across Britain. They're doing it in Canada. They're doing it in the States. They're doing it across the board. And again, the Bank for International Settlements and the IMF is behind a lot of this pushing. They've actually said that. And of course, these, again, these banks will plunder you all, lose nothing. Like, like the last time the taxpayers bailed them all out, and they'll still be operational after it. We're going to be scalped, is what it means. Uh, how else do you think they're going to bring in austerity? That's a big plan, you know, austerity. And the eradication of any semblance of a middle class. You don't really have middle class now today. You're either a, a billionaire. You know, a millionaire is nothing today. You can lose that so quickly. But you're going to be in the billionaire class, even preferably the multi-billionaire class. And then you have all the rest of us down below. And that's what they want. Remember, it's the old communist system, again, that was funded by the Western banks. The whole communist system was funded by big Western banks, mainly in the U.S. and in London, New York and London. They financed the communist revolution. And that, that is history. It's a historical fact. You can check it all up yourself. And they like that kind of system because they would eradicate competition of people who already existed in those countries for newcomers to come in, certain newcomers, a particular newcomer, in fact. And they're going at it again for the next phase, and in austerity for us all. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, may your God or your gods go with you.